Welcome and thank you for joining us for this episode of OLV Podcast. I'm your host, Father David. As we all do some self-reflecting this Lenten season, we are hosting a series of speakers to discuss Lenten discipleship. Speakers will be highlighting the impact that a lived Lenten discipleship has on our neighborhood, the broader community, and globally. These will be held on March 12th, March 14th, and March 19th. And we couldn't forget about St. Patrick's Day. We will once again be hosting Kindred Celtic Tradition Music on Saturday, March 16th during our 4.30 p.m. Vigil Mass. You won't want to miss Kindred and their spiritually uplifting Celtic music that truly is a gift to OLV. For more on either of those events, head to olvbasilica.org backslash calendar. That's olvbasilica.org backslash calendar. To celebrate Valentine's Day, we recently hosted another Victorious Hearts Couples Ministry Gathering. Joining the couples was Dan Lawson, a Catholic therapist, who shared five simple habits for remarkable marriages. On this episode, we'll talk with him about Catholic therapy solutions, as well as Amanda and Richie English, co-founders of Victorious Hearts Ministry. Today, my friends, we are joined by Dan Lawson, Catholic therapist and host of the podcast, Smuggling Hope. Dan, thank you for joining us today for our podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to be a, a part of the show. Thank you so much. So I guess I want to ask right out the gate, uh, how did uh, Catholic Therapy Solutions come to fruition? Uh, well, I think like a lot of things, it was like uh, a recurrent uh, theme. Like uh, when, when I started to do... Um, uh, I started to do counseling and then I, I discovered that the people that were most drawn to the work I was doing in my practice were people of faith like myself and the voice of the community, like the people that I was working with, uh, people kept on asking me like if I was going to do my own practice or if, if I'm going to be, you know, if I would be serving the Catholic community because at that point there was nobody that I guess was identified, you know, publicly at least identified as as as, as much, um, and they were like, well, there needs to be um, services for people of faith that really want uh, a Catholic approach to uh, therapy, and you know, there were obviously so many different resources, but for whatever reason, people kept on seeking me out and and really encouraging me to 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 start my own practice. Um, and actually, almost against my will, I did it. Um, I, I guess God kind of deemed that I, I, I leave because just my wife is the oracle. She's like, it's time, it's time. You can't do this anymore. You gotta, you just gotta branch out and just trust God and do the work. That's a, it's a real. As I'm listening to, it's a real testament to the Holy Spirit. And you can, you can feel in your presentation the way you described it that truly driven by the Holy Spirit to make this come about, and using your wife <laughs> as a wonderful instrument, yeah. as the oracle, to say, okay, Dan, it's time. And uh, sometimes we don't yeah. get those messages so clearly, but uh, I'm glad you responded <laughs> to your wife <laughs> and just didn't oh, say yeah. yes, dear, but you actually you came through, so that's that's terrific. So you, oh, yeah. you specialize in solution-focused therapy. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and what makes it different? Yeah, so... So I guess like a little background about this. So in the beginning of my clinical work, I was trained in cognitive behavioral therapy, which I think a lot of people are familiar with, uh, which is really uh, trying to give people a different um, uh, a different uh, thought process, you know, so that, uh, you know, let's say somebody is depressed 
or they learn how to confront the depressing thought or the addictive thought and then you know um you know realize what is maybe the the, the rational version of that right or, or try to you know replace that thought with another thought and and that but it really wasn't working for me for whatever reason i i found it to be somewhat depressing solution focus is a little different because instead of studying problems which i think we're all familiar with um, what it does is it starts to look for the anomalies, the positive anomalies in people's lives or in their 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 situation. So if someone's depressed, instead of studying the depression, we, we study the times where people are not as depressed. It's a resource-based approach, meaning that the people that you meet with, they all have resources. They all have successes, whether it's a married couple, whether it's an individual. And we really want to be curious about, you know, when things are better why that is and really figuring out like well what what is it that this person does want to experience instead of their problem um so uh, you know it's a, it's a it's a it's an energetic approach i think when i teach people especially like in the hospital or, or different different clinics or even other uh, other clinicians they always find it fascinating but it's it's our focus is on asking the correct kinds of questions and really focusing on listening um, to what our clients are saying, um, you know, and uh, so that we can ask the appropriate questions. But it's weird because it slays the ego. There's, there's the, I have to essentially not play the expert, right? Which is very hard. So it's very hard to train people because um, people, and, and, and you imagine like in the behavioral health fields and, 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 and medical fields, like we, we got education, we have licenses, we do all this training, we want some credit for it. So it's really hard to say, okay, now I'm going to stop trusting in my degree, I'm going to stop trusting in my handbook, and now I have to trust my clients. That's a radical departure. Sure. I, I love the positivity. I, 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 you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm saying, yeah, you know, you can sit down and talk about why you're depressed or what the depression means, but it, you just keep digging yeah. that hole rather than, but what's the solution? What What's a better way of looking at my life and how can I change things for the better? So that, that energy comes through in your voice. And also, yeah. I think we all, as human beings, we tend to overcomplicate things. And sometimes we can get mired in that problem rather than just kind of taking a step back, a more simplistic approach, and just kind of just examining with someone like you that can just open the doors and ask the right questions to to put a positive focus on our lives. That's that's just amazing. And uh, I'm, I'm very grateful that you... <laughs> That you followed the spirit again, and <laughs> yeah. uh, taking your degrees and all of that, and saying, you know what, I'm going to rely on the power of God's spirit, and I'm going to trust in my clients, and um, maybe hand in hand, that's how God works, obviously, uh, through you and through the yeah. people that come to you. You you obviously believe that one's faith um, can certainly lead to to wellness, mental wellness, and maybe you could talk a little bit about that and the importance of of faith in our in today. Yeah, I think faith faith is, I think in general, uh, it's a requirement psychologically. Faith is a requirement to make decisions, right? So all people have a faith, um, you know, whether they have faith in their employer, that their employer is going to pay them at the end of the week, whether they have faith that their car is going to start in the morning. People put their, they put their confidence in something, but oftentimes these things they put their faith in are limited. Right. And so for a lot of people, especially in the, the, the post COVID world, a lot of the systems that people put their hope in, people people made decisions based on 
a lot of different things and those things were not maybe accessible they were not maybe working and i find a lot of people returning back to you know uh, a faith in terms of a faith uh, in god and, and things that are beyond themselves because i think a lot of people without knowing it we we a lot of times put our faith i know i i've done this where i rely on myself and it jams me up and i think the self-reliance also lends us to be very rigid with ourselves and judgmental and then more and more uh, you know more and more struggles compile so i think you know with 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 uh, the faith you know in general i think we people need to figure out how to you know where to put their 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 hope in something beyond themselves right so, you know they something that's eternal um rather than things that are limited or based in humanity but i think that in general like with the faith and a relationship with christ healing comes through him you know whether he comes through the gift of confession and in the sacrament whether he ministers to you with your with your doctor um, or you know, with a with a psychologist or a social worker or the nurse that comes to visit you in your home, God wants to heal you. Jesus Christ continues to kind of operate, you know, through the believers in this world, and we get off track because we again, like I said, you know, a lot of us get focused on on resolving things on our own. I'll take care of it, and um, and, and and I think one of the things that I've seen, at least in clinical work is really the the need for growth continued growth and humility humility for myself and obviously i see that with my clients where their, their humility allows them to have the invitation of jesus into their life and and the healing um whether or not they can even recognize christ as he heals them um you know he's he's always the one that does the work that uh, rings so true and actually this past weekend the gospel was about the leper who jumped yeah. out of the crowd and basically came before Jesus and said, you know, if you do will it, you can make me clean. And it was that, mm. that statement of faith, if you do, if you will it. And, and, and that's when Jesus said, as you said, wants to heal everyone, says, I do will it. You know, but we have to have that humility and that trust that no matter what's going on in our lives, you know, when you turn to the divine healer, he's always going to be there. He's never going to turn his back. He's never going to say no. Um, you're beyond that scope. So... That's a message of hope for everybody, and I and I thank you for that because it it does it does come from your core. Well, I said I every day I, I look around here, the home of Father Baker, and I say this is all because of one man's profound faith, his humility, his trust in the protection of our Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Victory, and his trusting in the providence of God. You could not do everything that he did that continues to this day if you didn't believe. Uh, and have faith in God, and know that just God uses us to get things done, and we're very grateful here at Our Lady of Victory that so much continues to happen for the good uh, in reaching out to people and giving them a chance at life and restoring life. So I have one more question for you, because we are uh, entering now this holy season of Lent, and I know when you came to speak to our um Victorious Hearts Ministry, um, you made a great, great impression on everyone that night in our discussion, and it was some tips for couples uh, during this Lenten season, you know, how to how to go forward, how to make it a good Lenten season. So if you could only give one tip to couples this Lenten season, uh, what would it be? Most couples, in the beginning of the relationship, they experience a thing called limerence. Limerence is like the, the puppy love stage, right, where people are enamored with each other and they they want to please each other and they they have no shortage of energy to 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 pursue each other and to think about each other it's automatic and 
but as your relationship grows, people, they, they, you know, one of the big things that people forget to do is they rely on that emotional thing. They rely on that puppy, puppy love kind of stage. And over time, like they can get kind of uh, frustrated because they're like, well, you know, my relationship, I don't have the same intensity of feelings or I don't feel like doing dot, dot, dot. One of the big things that I think married couples can do, I'll say like it's a it's like a one two thing, I guess. One two in terms of like a, a one two punch almost that I think is really helpful as a habit. The, the one thing that we want to do is develop a, a pattern or a habit of fondness and appreciation for our spouse. Like, uh, you know, and, and that really is what we see with when we study the married couples that are most successful they have a regular fondness and appreciation that is communicated to each other. And what that does is it keeps um, the, both parties, both the people in the relationship relaxed and receptive to each other. And so how couples can do that is number one, I would say, this is the one, two part is I would say that you want to get in the habit of every day trying to communicate verbally, if at all possible, verbally uh, expressing appreciation for your spouse. And when I say, um, you know, uh, appreciation, I want you to think about it with adding details because details promote emotion, right? So if I was to say to my wife, well, I love you, and but I don't say why, her brain actually will detect or at least think that I'm being non-genuine and it will just blow off the compliment. But if I say to my wife, like I, you know, I really value all of the hard work that you put into our family because we, we have some remarkable kids because of your, um, your discipline and your drive, and it inspires me. Well, there's less for her to contend with. She has to kind of receive more of that compliment. So I want to express appreciation to my spouse. This also helps me to fall in love with her by, by seeing these things and spending time with the good things. Um, because I actually have to articulate it. And as I have to use language to describe why I love my wife or you know my spouse, I, I actually generate those feelings again. And so a lot of times people, their responses are the reasons why they give, uh, you know, why they, why they care about their spouse are super vague. And I want you to think that the more detailed you can become, the more intensely, oftentimes emotionally, you'll feel towards your spouse. Um, if you want to appreciate your spouse, another way that you can do that is to really um, give them a compliment in the form of a question. Right. So if I was to say to my spouse, this this dinner was really wonderful. I, I really appreciate it. My wife would say, well, that's that's great. You know, I'm glad. But then she'd probably maybe she'd blow that off. But if I said to her, where did you get this recipe? Where did you get the time to make such a, like an elaborate meal? This is this was wonderful. She's going to be forced to answer that question in her brain, whether she verbalizes it or not. And for that, she's going to actually encounter her goodness. And she's going to associate me, hopefully, with that experience, just because I'm going to ask a question. And that question is going to move her mind to what is good in her, what is beautiful in her. And so that's the first part, is to appreciate your spouse. And the second thing is to start to build up a, a tolerance or to build up a... I would say a, um, uh, you know, a comfort with trying to describe what your needs are to your spouse so that they, they can remain and get closer as a friend. Cause you know, a lot of times like people will say, well, they feel like roommates or they feel like burdens even, which is worse. 
And this is not just in romantic relationships, but relationships in general, because we've lost the ability to communicate our needs because actually life is so much more comfortable now. I don't have to ask my neighbor across the hall for a cup of sugar. I, I don't know what it's like to um, give people the honor to serve me. And so I want you to think that if you're, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, like, or, you know, that, that when you express your needs to your spouse, that, that is really like the, those are the tools to fulfill your spouse. So it's a gift, right? If I tell my wife, like, I really desire to spend time with you today alone without our kids, just so I can be close to you. Or if my wife says to me, you know, I really need your help to, you know, make sure that you can take our daughter to dance, or I really need you to take back the recycling because it's cluttering up the, the, you know, the, the hallway. Well, I can do that. The, the trick with communicating your needs, though, is you want to remove judgment. Because if you communicate needs with judgment, the other person only hears criticism. And so those are the two things, right? Appreciation and needs. And if people get good at those things, if you can get good at trusting your spouse with your needs, just like, again, if you're a married person, remember, you're, it's a dual, it's a parallel relationship, right? The same way I trust you know, my spouse is the same way I trust our Lord. And so, you know, I have to figure out, can I trust my wife? Can I trust my husband with these needs? And, 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 and do I see the goodness in them, right? So those are the two things that I would say are very, uh, I think, very helpful um, for married couples to work on during Lent is to communicate on those two axes. That's perfect. And no wonder you're so good at what you do, because if everybody takes that to heart, you can see how marriages would really continue to grow and be enhanced. And I think everybody, as you said, needs to know they're appreciated, but also needs to be able to express their needs in a positive way. And and uh, that goes for married couples. I think it goes for all of us when you think about it. Um, so oh, yeah. The more we can uh, appreciate people and verbalize it, I think the better. It's been something that I've been actually reflecting on uh, a lot of times at weddings and at funerals. I kind of always kind of make it a point to say to people, you know, don't take things for granted. Make sure you tell the people in your life that you love them and that you care about them. Those are your true treasures. Those are the things you take with you. Uh, leave everything else behind. But to remember to, to verbalize that and, as you said, to take it even deeper, not just to say I love you, but to say why <laughs> why I love you or why yeah. I love what you just did. So I, I that uh, is a point well taken. And I, I'm sure the couples that are people that are listening to this podcast will take a lot away from it, uh, and I couldn't be more grateful. Uh, before we conclude, are there any final thoughts you want to share with our listeners today? Anything that you want to end on? Um, I would, I would encourage people again, I think one of the big things, you know, for people as if, if they are, you know, um, wherever they are with their, um, relationships, whether they're single, whether they're married, whether they're going through divorce, I, if people are discouraged, they just want to realize whenever we get discouraged that it comes from pride and that we really need to invite Jesus back into our lives. The more that we have the humility, the more I think we can live our faith as Catholics. My, my word of the uh, of the year in some ways has been to try to relax and to try to let God do what he wants to do and figure out what I'm gripping on so tightly, you know. So I guess that's what I would encourage people just to, you know, so, so that they, they can kind of make more room for Christ. So that's what I would encourage people to do, though. Dan, I can't thank you enough, and that's a great way to end. First of all, relax. Let God be God. 
Um, and remember what God did for us, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. Yeah. And then I just love that one line, just invite Jesus back into our lives. And if we all did that during yeah. this Lenten season, how rich that experience can be when we just invite him back into our lives. So thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, well, thank you, Father. Well, thank you for for inviting me. It's been great. Have a great Lent, and I look forward to seeing you again. Okay, you too, Father. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me, Amanda and Richie. Well, thank you for having us. How did Victoria's Hearts Ministry come to be? Amanda and I met in 2021. We had a whirlwind romance. And one of the things that brought both of us together uh, was our faith. On our very first date, I had sort of blurted out over bubble tea that I really wished that I could find a woman that I could go to church with and pray with. And I did not know at the time, but I had said uh, what amounted to the magic words for Amanda because she had been looking for the same thing. And our love story is very important to the beginning of our ministry because it is such a difficult world to navigate as a Christian these days. Anybody uh, who is a Christian can tell you that. And it's so important to be able to have solidarity with other couples that are uh, advanced in their years of marriage, other ones that are just starting out and might share the same difficulties and everything and anything in between. So uh, one of Amanda's dear friends, who she's had a long history with, uh, Clarice Adamzak, and her husband, Corey, uh, kept crossing paths, and uh, Amanda and Clarice uh, were the driving force in spearheading the development of what is now uh, this new ministry, Victorious Hearts. And we're just so excited uh, to operate it through OLV, which is just an institution, not only nationally, but spiritually as well. A place of beauty, a place of uh, solemnity, a place where people can live and grow and learn and bond and solidify their uh, relationships together so that we can all serve Christ Uh, in a more efficient, and a more supported framework. What can folks expect a Victorious Hearts gathering to be like? Absolutely. So first and foremost, everyone is welcome. So if you're pondering attending Victorious Hearts, um, know that regardless of your age or how long you've been married or if you're engaged, you are most welcome to attend. We do our best to create an environment that is warm and welcoming. We have a couple of dates set for the remainder of the year. So the next event we will be hosting will be set on May 11th. The first half hour is very much mingling. We'll have charcuterie, light drinks, some beverages and music. And then set for the remainder of the hour will be more of a formal agenda. We might have a speaker come in or an interactive activity with the group, with other couples. But just know that it will be all featured around supporting our Catholic faith, helping couples to get to know one another and make meaningful connections. Really, the goal is to help us to grow closer in our relationship with Christ and also with one another. To find out more about our Victorious Hearts Couples Ministry here at OLV, 
head to olvbasilica.org backslash couples. That's olvbasilica.org backslash couples. My friends, I thank you for joining us for this podcast. And I just want to encourage everyone to reach out to people. You never know what's going on in someone else's heart or mind. And oftentimes, just a a word of encouragement, a smile can make all the difference in the world. So let us all just walk more gently and kindly through this world, especially during Lent. May we be aware of the people that God places in our lives and the positive difference we can make by lifting them up and drawing them ever closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you. And let us pray. Loving and gracious God, as we begin our Lenten journey, let us truly enter the desert with your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us fight the good fight of faith. Let us strive to resist temptation in our lives and to trust in your victory over sin and death. We ask for a grace-filled Lenten season, for the conversion of hearts and minds, that all of us, as we reflect more deeply on our lives and want to change those things we need to change, that we may trust in the power of your grace, the power of your love, and your healing presence in our lives. As we journey toward Easter, may we always be grateful for the gift of your love and the gift of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has conquered sin and death and has made us victorious in calling us to be his disciples. We ask your blessing as we do all things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father Baker, pray for us. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. Thank you all for listening. God bless you.